Tony Javentu, Executive Director of the Condominium Homeowners Association of BC and a good friend of this show. Tony, good morning and welcome back. Uh, good morning, Sterling. I guess people kind of see this as a loophole, but you know what? It's not really a loophole. It's not a loophole. Okay, well, let's, let's just back it up to the point where back in November, the EB government announces the, this new legislation prohibiting stratas from restricting rentals or imposing 19-plus age restrictions, which could force out young families when they have a kid. And as you and I have discussed about this already, the exception being buildings with seniors only or 55-plus rules, that's grandfathered, and uh, th- the restrictions didn't apply similarly so a lot of stratas went oh well why don't we just change our description to 55 plus and we can walk away yeah no and and certainly we've had a number of stratas who changed their bylaws to 55 plus thinking that this is going to really stop rentals and it doesn't because um, you can't prohibit rentals. You can only prohibit short-term accommodations like Airbnb. Right. But if you put in a 55 and over bylaw, that means anybody who rents and occupies the units has to be 55 and over. So it isn't it isn't a loophole away from rental bylaws. It just narrows the um, uh, the market of who can rent in the building. But that comes with some risks for your building and for your owners in the long term too. So let's talk, first of all, and we'll talk about the risks in a second, but just uh, so uh, you can't dodge the fact that if you live in a strata environment, the rental restrictions that you thought you had have been removed by the provincial government. But if you're in a 55 plus or seniors only environment, that you still have to rent, but you can restrict renters to 55 plus individuals, correct? Exactly. And when you pass a new bylaw that is 55 and over, um, anyone who is occupying the units at the time the bylaw is passed are going to be exempt from that bylaw. Uh-huh. So, I think, so one of the steps that folks are missing here is you need to basically establish an inventory of who's living in the units. It's not, you know, it could be tenants, family members, it could be a younger family with two kids. You need to have an inventory to understand who's going to be exempt as you start to look at enforcement of this bylaw in the future. Right. But if you, for example, live in a 55-plus building right now, Tony, and nobody's renting because that was a condition of buying into the building in the first place, then you're basically working from a fresh sheet, aren't you? You are. You are. And anyone can rent their units now um, for, you know, standard tenancies, um, uh, and, and the Strata Corporation can't screen tenants. They can't impose conditions on tenancy. Um, you know, best case scenario, Strata Corporations um, work with all of their owners who plan on renting, whether it's 55 or not, and encourage them to use um, licensed agents or become a member of Landlord BC so that you're doing proper screening. Um, tenants work just wonderfully in communities until you have a bad tenant. And then it tends to plague everybody. Uh, so it's, you know, it's important that you have good tenants when you're moving through this process. So you can't have your strata council become the rent screening uh, division or d- develop a rent screening division as part of what they do for the, the strata community, correct? That's correct. They can't impose. The act is very explicit. You cannot impose um, any conditions in the tenancy agreement between the landlord and the tenant. 
you know, so it's it's going to be interesting. If, you know, we've seen communities where there are families who are living in units um, where they have adopted 55 and over bylaws. Right. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens if their family status changes. If they have another child, what's going to change with the family status that that subsequent child that they bring in to live with them or a family member that lives with them is going to have to be 55 or over. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the risks that you alluded to a few minutes ago, Tony. What are they? Well, depending on where you're located. So, so a good example is if you're living on waterfront property, you're probably never going to have a problem selling for a premium price. Sure. But, it, but if you're in a retirement community where there are a, a significant number of units um, that are all 55 and over, it really narrows your market in the future when you're, when you're going to resell. And so think, think about that as you, as you move forward. It, 55 and over might still be the right decision for your community, but think about what the implications are going to be. It also means that families who live in the building, their family status won't change um, without being in violation of the 55 and over bylaw. And one of the trends we've seen in retirement communities that are 55 and over, the communities age over time, there's a lot fewer people willing to serve on strategy sure, yeah. the work that needs to be done. Right. right. So, you know, so that's a bit of a challenge, too. So it, it does change the dynamics of your communities. Interesting. Now, you talk. You took some exception, and we, we, we you did it here on on this show about a month or so ago, uh, to to the way, to the, the the premise that the government had based this whole new legislative package on, which is opening up affordable, more affordable rent, rental units in strata buildings. And you took some exception to that. Do you do you still hold that position? Well, it's the it's the whole issue about affordable. Strata yeah. housing is not affordable. If you're an investor and you're renting a unit, by the time you pay your mortgage, your strata fees, your taxes, your costs associated with your building operations, um, you know, you're looking at for a one bedroom unit, you're probably looking at starting around two thousand dollars a month. That's not affordable housing. So, you know, that's the challenge that we're facing is that it's great to say that we're opening up more rentals and stratas. We've already had um, vacant rentals and stratas that are available for rent that weren't being rented. It's the affordability issue that's sure. the real challenge. Yeah, yeah. Just, some of them are just too darn pricey. So now that this has been in effect for a few weeks, and we haven't talked basically, we talked very shortly after it was uh, brought down, but we've had now had a gap of uh, several weeks. Uh, and you, of course, are an, an action central when it comes to the complaint desk, and you're hearing from people all over the province. What's the beef? What are, what are most people reacting negatively about, Tony? Uh, well, I think that the general response from communities where rentals were prohibited to, to ensure um, uh, ownership-based um, commitments um, within their communities is the biggest beef. And, and I, you know, and I think the biggest challenge with that is, um, you know, we have about 22,000 strata corporations across the province that are less than 50 units. Right. And those stratas are almost all self-managed. Um, that's where the core of rental bylaws were because they are self-managed. Um, they are not having the expectations they're going to be basically working as de facto landlords for absentee investors who are renting out units, which I hate to say it happens quite frequently in stratas, especially smaller stratas. The, the remaining people tend to be the ones who take care of the issues that occur. And so, you know, I think that's the biggest complaint that most people have. We'll evolve if people will work around 
not being able to limit rentals or restrict rentals. But you know, I think strata corporations also need to seriously look at um, um, restricting short-term accommodations because short-term accommodations still consume the lion's share of the units that are not occupied either by owners or tenants. So now does this legislation eliminate the Airbnbs and other such short-term rentals? Is that now against the law? Uh, no, but the Strata Corporation is still permitted to adopt a bylaw that prohibits short-term accommodation. Okay, and that's quite prevalent, right. isn't it? It, it? It's becoming more so as time progresses, and, and usually when it happens, it's because a Strata Corporation has had some significant troubles, which is how most bylaws are generated. Sure. We, you know, they're responding to a problem that's occurred. So, you know, it's it's really... I think it's it, we're going to see a change in how strata corporations um, manage some of their business, but it, it's going to become a bit more demanding for the you know resident owner only communities where now they're going to have to be dealing with tenancy issues. Again, most tenants are great. Tenants are allowed to be assigned owners' rights, so they can actually sit on council. And we have some strata councils across the province with great tenants who play a really vital role in their communities. But when you have a bad tenant, you usually have a bad landlord behind them. And it's it's going to be pretty um, daunting, both economically and labor-wise, for communities to deal with those issues. Interesting. No doubt about that part. Tony, thanks for getting up early on a weekend to do this with us. We do appreciate it very much. And please remind our listeners of your excellent website, which is just an, uh, just an ocean of wonderful resources. All the amendments and the guides and the um, webinars dealing with these new issues are at um, www.choa.bc.ca. Choa, C-H-O-A dot B-C dot C-A. Tony Gevento runs Choa. He's the executive director of the Condominium Homeowners Association of B.C. Thanks for doing this, Tony. We'll talk again. Thanks so much, Sterling. Have a great day. You too. Tony Gevento there at 743. Bad news for the folks in Prince George from Canfor just this week as they announced the closing of the Prince George Pulp and Paper Mill. Forestry industry consultant Russ Taylor has a lot to say about this, and he'll join us next here on CKNW Weekend Mornings. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.